0: So when everything falls apart, how do you put it back together? Uh, there is, um, one of my favorite movies is this uh, 2009 Coen Brothers film called A Serious Man, uh, and in it, the whole movie is about this one guy's life falling apart. Uh, it's, it's so horrible, it's almost comedic, it, it's a sort of a dark comedy. Um... And his life is just falling apart, uh, over and over and over in all these different ways. And uh, one of the themes of the movie, as far as I can tell, comes up in something uh, comes up on the lips of a rabbi uh, towards the end. And uh, quoting this song from the '60s, he says, "When the truth is found to be lies, and all the joy within you dies, what then?" When, when your life falls apart, when your society falls apart, how do you put it back together? That uh, I think is is the question that the Jewish people are confronted with at this point in their history that we're looking at this morning. Um, if you recall from uh, previous weeks uh, the Jews were sent into exile in, in Babylon. Um, because of persistent faithlessness, uh, in ignoring God's warnings. Um, and God had said to them by Jeremiah, uh, I have on the handout, um, the whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So the first Jewish exiles are taken into Babylon in 605 BC. And then about 70 years later, in 539, God is faithful to his promise. Uh, And uh, as we read... In the beginning of Ezra, uh, the the, the Jewish people are allowed to go back home. Um, So if we we can turn to Ezra 1, uh, which is on page 389 of of the church Bible, if you have that. And I'll I'll read the whole chapter, it's pretty short, or most of the chapter. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Uh, And the chapter continues to describe just an incredible uh, uh, amount of uh, uh, silver and gold and and all these provisions to rebuild the temple. So even after... uh, Jerusalem is completely destroyed. Uh, Their their corporate life, their society, falls apart. Uh, God is true to his promise. And you'll notice Persia is mentioned here. Uh, Persia uh, comes in in 539 and smashes up Babylon, the big bully on the block uh, in in the ancient Near East, uh, just like God had promised by Jeremiah. Uh, And because Persia's foreign policy doesn't involve relocating conquered people like Babylon's did Judah's free to return home uh, and, and the first thing that we're told that they want to rebuild you know you're going back home to a completely destroyed city Jerusalem what's the first thing you rebuild you might think let's rebuild some walls so that we can have some protection uh, because I mean we got destroyed last time let's build some protection around us Uh <coughs> And if you know the book of Nehemiah, they do rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, but not until much later. The first thing that Judah rebuilds, or decides to rebuild, is the temple, uh, which might seem sort of senseless, um, humanly speaking. So why might that be? Why might the temple be the first thing they want to rebuild? Uh, Well, the temple is the very dwelling place of God. Um... We can, we can think back to when the temple was first built in, in, second, in second Chronicles. Um, uh, I have on the handout. As soon as Solomon finishes prayer of dedication of the temple, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Uh, So if Judah's exile from the land um, into Babylon uh, and the first temple's destruction um, Represent a period of punishment, of alienation from God. Uh, then to rebuild the temple uh, is is to reconcile with God. It's to say God is going to dwell with us again. Uh, we were taken away from the land uh, where where God has promised to set His name to dwell there. Uh, but now He's bringing us back. Uh, the punishment's over. The alienation's over. Now let's rebuild this temple. to to signify that, to say God is is with us once again um, in in person dwelling in the temple but before long the the building project ceases Um, as significant as this temple is uh, Judah doesn't spend very much time at the beginning uh, uh Rebuilding it, the 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 initial zeal uh, dissipates, and uh, you know, around twenty years later, they've still barely started on it. Um, and most of that story comes up in the Book of Haggai, um, which is a, a who's a prophet that um, God brings to speak to uh, Jerusalem to to sort of stir them up to actually rebuild this thing Um, so we'll spend most of the the rest of our time in Haggai uh, which is on page 791 in the the Pew Bible Um, it's one of the last books in the Old Testament and it's real short so you might turn past it real easily And as we look at Haggai, we can see why the Jewish people stopped building the temple, even though building it would signify reconciliation with God. Uh, we'll see how God encourages them to rebuild, uh, and, and we'll see uh, God comforting his people um, when the temple pales in comparison to what was before, when when their rebuilt lives uh, are still uh, nothing like they were before. Um, so let's so let's read from Haggai chapter one. In the second year of Darius the king, uh, king of Persia, that is, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the temple of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labor, labors. So why does the building project on, on the temple, the dwelling place of God, stop? Uh, well, God is uh, accusing them of, of uh, self, a, a selfish fixation on their own houses. Uh, Judah spends their energy building nice paneled houses, I'm not exactly sure what paneled means, but uh, it sounds like, you know, really nice houses. Um, you know, million-dollar homes. Uh, for themselves, instead of building the temple. Uh, God's house. Um, and then the, the construction of the temple uh, is presented as a, as a necessary precursor to to their prosperity in the land. Um God saying here, uh, because you've you've done this and you've been focusing on your own material prosperity instead of building the house like I told you to do, uh, representing a, a restoration and reconciliation with me. Therefore, I've actually withheld material prosperity from you. Uh, you've been working towards your own prosperity, uh, but I've been I've been keeping it from you. God says. Um, so, what? What about when God's assessment in verse 6? Right? You've sown much, harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but, but, but no one is warm. Uh, what, what about when that seems to apply to us? Uh, when we sow much and harvest little, so to speak. What about when it seems like we are materially, emotionally, spiritually stuck um, now certainly not all human suffering material, emotional, spiritual uh, is, is uh, a result of, of foolishness or faithlessness on our part for, for Judah here it's a result of their own faithlessness and, and fixation on their self, themselves uh, but that's not generally the case it's not always the case uh, but it is sometimes the case that if we find ourselves stuck, uh, it's actually our own fault. Um, we can think in the Book of Proverbs. Uh, this pervades the whole Book of Proverbs. Um, I just picked out one verse. You know, the, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Um, it's possible that if we if we find ourselves stuck, it's because we're actually not doing what we ought to be doing. Um, or if we find ourselves uh, emotionally or spiritually distant from God, uh, sometimes, though certainly not always, sometimes it's a result of our own faithlessness or sin. Uh, I, I think on, on Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Uh, So God's word to Judah here, I think, is a a word to us as well um, to, to consider our ways. If our material or spiritual condition isn't what we would hope it would be, if we find ourselves stuck, and we can see that well, this isn't this isn't just a result of the world being broken and fallen. Uh, this isn't a result of me being sinned against. Uh, but actually, I can see how my own decisions have led me to this place of being stuck. Well, let's let's consider what concrete changes we can make to get ourselves unstuck. Um, again, this isn't always going to be the case. The book of Job is something that we need to put next to things like. Uh, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. We need to put Job alongside that because Job uh, is a truly innocent suffering victim. That's what the whole book is about. Um, But sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves, we are not just truly innocent suffering victims when we find ourselves stuck. Sometimes, uh, we're more like Judah at the beginning of of the book of Haggai and uh, our problems are our own fault. And, and we can make small concrete steps to get ourselves unstuck. So let's consider our ways if that if that applies to us. Um, but before before we move on to the rest of Haggai, any thoughts or questions so far? I
1: was thinking yeah. about um I was thinking about this that so God says, you know, you're busy really building your own houses and you should be building my house. Um and, but what I thought about was in the days of David, when David determines to build a house for the Lord God says, did I ever ask you for a house? Like, I've been intense. Like, he's, he sounds very, you know, like oh, you know, I, I've been fine but it's a good idea, you know you know, and your son will do it and all that yeah. but he's not demanding, he doesn't in those days demand a house um, and so what's happening here that's different that's sort of what I've been thinking about and just um, and I was also struck I just read this recently going through this section in my reading and, and how how central the worship is like you said in the beginning like this is the, this is the whole purpose of them coming back um, so I don't know I was just thinking about those things like what's the difference and I think maybe it's you know I'm just sort of thinking out loud but that that this was symbolic of reconnecting with God in a way that was not necessary in the days of David because he did have a tabernacle, although they were worshiping. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, Just interesting. And I guess guess to say that God isn't about building this house in in this day for... Not that God can have selfish reasons, but but it's not about... um, like a pride like we would have like, hey, got to build my house you know, that kind of thing it's about desiring that they reconnect to worship and desiring to bless them yeah rather
0: than you know, the yeah. like pagan gods demanding, you know yeah you know, the same, you know. That, that's a good word, yeah uh, that's a really great observation uh, thinking back to David because it's not as though God needs to, a house to live in you know, uh, you know, you and I. Uh, it's good for us to have roofs over our heads. Um, but God doesn't actually live in a house. Yeah. So it's not as though God needs the Jewish people to rebuild this house. Um, they need it. But they need it. Yeah. Because this is this is uh, reconnecting and a reconciling with God. Yeah. Um, to, to rebuild this house, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good word. Um, any, anything else before we move on? Cool. Okay, so Judah heeds God's words by by Haggai uh, and, and, and builds the temple, but it's it's clear. Immediately, that this temple pales in comparison to the original one. Uh, If we uh, were to go back, it's long passages, so so we're not reading them. But um, this morning, but if we go back to uh, to to First Kings and we look at the description of the incredible wealth in Solomon's time, Solomon who built the first temple, uh, we look at the descriptions of of the first temple. we, we can start to get this idea that, this, that the first temple, everything was gold, it was this magnificent building, um, and it's clear early on that this second temple, that this rebuilt temple, pales in comparison, that it's nothing compared to it. Um, Zechariah, another prophet from this same time, uh, calls this the day of small things, when uh, when, when God's people seemed small and insignificant, when their, when their society seemed uh, completely in shambles um, compared to what they once were, compared to what they once had. Um, even though they came back into the land, it's not a complete full restoration, but it pales in comparison to what it once was. It's the, the day of small things, as Zechariah calls it. Um, and and we see this, this passage in Ezra when the foundation of the temple is laid. Um... It's full of, full of pathos, uh, and, and, and I've put on the handout. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the joyful shout from the sound of the people's weeping. Rebuilding this temple is a bittersweet moment Because um, on the one hand It is a reconciliation with God Symbolic of that uh, But on the other hand it, It's a reminder of, of everything they had lost um, because, of, because of their own sin For decades earlier uh, But then God Comforts his people about this Day of small things In, in Haggai chapter 2 um, So let's, let's begin Reading in, in Haggai 2 In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet, now be strong, O Zerubbabel. Declares the Lord, "Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land." Declares the Lord, "Work, for I am with you." Declares the Lord of hosts, "According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts: Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth." It's as if the author really wants you to know that the Lord of Hosts is declaring this. It says it over and over. Um, now, uh, this passage we just read starts out uh, simple enough: "Be strong, fear not." Then, then it goes: we're not, "What's going on? I'll shake all the nations. Uh, treasures will come in." Um, so, so what is this word of comfort? Uh, first, God acknowledges that the the temple is nothing compared to what it once was. Uh, he acknowledges the people's uh anxiety about that. Uh their their grief over what, the, what they lost. Um but then he, he God promises his presence. Uh even though this new temple is is nothing compared to what it once was, nevertheless God is present with them in it. Um, fear not, I am with you. And then God promises to make this new temple even more glorious than the first one that Solomon built. Um, God promises to, to shake up all the other, you know, pagan nations so that all of their treasures will come in and make that temple even more glorious than the first one. Uh, you know, Solomon's temple was full of gold. This one's going to have even more gold, um, and therefore, God directs his people to keep working, to keep building the temple. Uh, but then the latter glory of this house, uh, what, what does that really mean, that the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former? Um, Judah is discouraged that the current state of the house of the Lord, the, the temple, uh, isn't very glorious at all. Um, and God promises that the future will be better. Um, and on one level, we could just say, well, that, it's, it'll be better because the treasures of all the other nations will come in and, and fill it. Um, but then if we, if we look back on this text, uh, on, on this side of the cross and the resurrection, um, we can think uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus himself uh, uh, presents himself as the new temple, uh, the place where God's glorious presence dwells. Uh, So Jesus himself is presented as the more glorious future of the temple. Um, At the beginning of John's gospel, we we read, uh, uh, And and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The latter glory of this temple will be greater than the former. And we have seen his glory. a little later, Jesus, Jesus says in Jerusalem, in John's gospel, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. The Jews then said, Because uh, throughout John's gospel, a consistent theme is Jesus says Jesus stuff and nobody gets it. Uh, they, the Jews say, well, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Uh, Jesus' own body, Jesus' own person is this more glorious uh, more glorious future of the temple. Uh, even though if you look at him, uh, he's not much to look at. Uh, if, if we met him, our first reaction would probably be uh, that he smells, because everyone in the ancient world smelled. Um, but the, the kind of glory is different. Uh, Jesus is glorious, even though he's not covered in gold. But then later, after Jesus ascended into heaven, we're told that the church, the community of God's people, uh, is the new temple. Um, In in Ephesians, Paul writes, uh, through Jesus, we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, is this dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The new temple, uh, so to speak. Peter writes, As you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And Peter mixes up his metaphors here. Are we a building? Are we the temple? Or are we the priesthood? Uh, and for him, it's both. Um, but we, we can see here Peter also presents the church, God's people, as this new building for God to dwell in, this new temple, this new spiritual house, uh, even more glorious than Solomon's temple, even though it was covered in gold and, and the glory of God filled it, and um, like we were reading in Second Chronicles. And if you've put your faith in Christ, you yourself, even individually, you yourself are a new temple, uh, more glorious than Solomon's, in whom God's spirit dwells, uh, and whose future is unimaginably glorious. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Uh, now, if you look at 1 Corinthians six, he he takes that truth and and uh, ter- uses it to rebuke the Corinthians for their for their sin. But we we he does say here that your very own body is a temple of God. That God, the 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 eternal God, creator of the universe, dwells in you if you have put your faith in Jesus. Uh, this is. <clears throat> Stunning, and I'm, not, and I'm not sure that I personally think about this and, and try to grapple with this stunning reality uh, uh, enough. Uh, it's, it's unthinkable, really. Um, and then our future, if, if we belong to Jesus, is unimaginably glorious. Uh, Paul writes in Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, lowly body, to be like His glorious body, the, the risen body of Jesus, by the same by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself, um, the the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. Um, God God says that to uh, the Jews many centuries ago, uh, when when they built that uh, second temple, when they rebuilt the temple, and it looked like nothing. Uh, and, and God says it to us uh, the the future glory of of the church will be far more incredible than what it looks like now because sometimes it might not be much to look at uh, and and each of us personally uh, if, if we belong to Christ our, our future is is unimaginably glorious we will be we will share in the the glory of the risen Jesus and uh, it's it's it, it, words fail to, to really to really get it, how uh incredible that is. You know, there is in Jesus that when, when John sees him at the beginning of the book of Revelation, he falls on his face as though dead. You know, that's how glorious he is. We're we're gonna share in that. Uh, we we can have hope for for when when things look like they're falling apart. Uh, we, we can say, well, that's, that's our future. We're going to be like him. Uh, but then how do we get there? Uh, so God's word to Judah here in Haggai uh, permits neither self-reliance uh, nor complacency. Um, self-reliance is excluded. God says, I... Will fill this house with glory. God is the one to fill it with glory. Uh, if we attempt to move forward from our our day of small things uh, through self reliance and self help, uh, we're, we're going about it the wrong way. Um, we don't we don't fill the house with glory. Judah doesn't fill the house with glory. Uh, God does. But at the same time, God tells us people to work right. Uh, ver- verse, uh, four in, 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 in Haggai 2, uh, work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Um, God doesn't want us to be totally complacent. Uh, God doesn't want Judah to be totally complacent. Um, you know, the very reason that they're able to work on building that temple confidently, uh, is because God is with them. God being with them, God promising to fill it with glory, doesn't mean they can be complacent and not worry about it, but uh it it inspires them, encourages them to actually go go forward and keep working. Um and Paul has a similar principle uh in, in the New Testament, when when he says in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Um So I, I want to spend the rest of our time thinking a little bit more about our own days of small things. Um, but before we go there, um, are, are there any, any thoughts and questions at this point?
2: Uh, so I, I think um, one of the things we're up against and I think the exhortation from the passage is so powerful because God says, I am with you. Go forth and you know, go out and do these things. I am with you because it doesn't feel like he's with his people all the time. Yeah. In the sense that I, I think there's, a, there's an analogy or a, there's a connection I was thinking about as you were teaching where the, the, if the folks that came back to the lesser temple, some of them remembered how Visibly better and more powerful, it all seemed back in the day. But now the world is able to just turn us back and go, oh yeah, you're the conquered people, now you're building a little shack. Yeah. Have fun with your shack. Yeah. You know. And if we if we think about us in our situation, and I think about the early church and how, you know, to establish the early church, people are doing miracles everywhere. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, God, Jesus' servants are going and being like, you don't believe us? Watch this. You're healed. You know. You're you know basically doing amazing signs and wonders, so that people couldn't ignore it. You know, they said, "Well, you must be from God because look at all this amazing stuff that just yeah. like couldn't be ignored." Whereas sometimes I'll just say, I personally feel like we're in a position of weakness, humanly speaking. Like we're not able to go out. Most of us, and anyway, we are not able to go out in the street and say, oh, you don't want to listen to me? Watch this. I'm going to make this tree burst into flames and then I'm going to make it stop, you know, automatic.
0: Yeah, like Elijah calling down fire.
2: It's such a good word because we do need to be reminded that even though it might not seem like it, God's with us, he's with his church, things are not now how they're always going to be. There is coming a shaking Mm. still, Mm. right? Obviously a huge shaking of... What is reality to most people? Mm. Um, and so, I just wanted to sort of make that connection in my own, or verbalize that connection I made. That because I feel weak a lot of the times, and yeah. I need that encouragement. You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it's not just the Jewish people who are in the the day of small things when when uh, they can look back and what about what about those former times those are er, those earlier times when when things were uh, when God's people were more faithful when when God seemed to be working more we can find ourselves thinking the same way yeah um, but then God's yeah God's word to Haggai therefore is it a, is it a God's God's word to us too Um You know, fear not I'm with you even when it doesn't seem like it um, next actually, that that ties into the next section in the handout like do are you uneasy about a rapidly changing world I, I have a professor at the seminary who talks about this all the time every every time he prays before class it's he says something about a the world changing faster than than we can keep up. Um, as a 26 year old boy, it's hard for me to, to really realize that. Um, but the world's very different than it was a few years ago, uh, a few decades ago. Um, do you wistfully look back on, on an earlier time when when uh, the church was was perhaps more faithful or more culturally significant? Do you do you look back on? Uh, you know the, the the early church. You know, reading the book of Acts. You know, uh, people would touch uh, uh, cloths up to Paul's skin and then put it on a on a on a uh, person in need of healing and then they're healed. Uh, I was just reading Acts nineteen when when that happens. My goodness, that doesn't happen. Uh, you know, I don't see that. Uh, do we look back on that and think, you know, what's what's going on now? Um, Well, by faith we say that the the most glorious time for the church in the world is not behind us, but in front of us. Um, That that the latter glory of this house, the latter glory of this world, uh, will be greater than the former. Um, When Christ comes again in glory to restore all things, uh, the church will be more glorious than she ever was. The world will be more glorious than it ever was, um, and by faith we can hope in that. Um, we, we can uh, be comforted by that, just just as God is comforting the the people of Judah uh, by Haggai. Uh, is your material or financial situation difficult? I mean, that's that's how Haggai begins. Um, is they they. So much and gather little. Uh, and of course, as a, as a conquered people, uh, Judah is, is not as prosperous as it once was at this point in their history. Uh, they've been conquered and they're going back with what little they can to rebuild a broken society. Um, so is, is your material or financial situation difficult and are you perhaps made to feel small and insignificant because of that? Uh, well, God says to you, just as God says to to Judah in, in Haggai, uh, that you are incredibly precious to Him, uh, so precious that He gave His own Son for you. Uh, and if you put your faith in, in if you've put your faith in Jesus, God's glorious presence lives in you. You are the temple, uh, along with the the whole church. Uh, and there will be a day when it will be clear to everyone just how. How precious you are! Um, so if if you are made to feel small and insignificant, well, in God's eyes, you're not. Um, in fact, you are you are unimaginably precious, Dan. Or I, I I think of Psalm 42 in connection with this. Can you remember a time? Uh, when perhaps you enjoyed God and rejoiced in His love, uh, but now find yourself discouraged, uh, that prayer is harder than it once was. Uh, reading the Bible is an arduous task. Um, God seems distant and cold. Uh, his His promises to you uh, are are uh, they they just in one ear out the other doesn't doesn't move your heart. Um, well. Is that your day of small things? Uh, You can look back on an earlier time, perhaps, uh, when when you were newer in the faith, when you had just come to her here and believe the gospel. And now it feels very different. Uh, Well, if you persist in faith in Christ, uh, he is present with you even when it doesn't feel like it. This new temple that Judah is building looks nothing like the first one, but God is still with them. Um... And there will be a day when you'll never need to question God's presence, glorious presence with you anymore. Uh, When it'll be clear, when the veil will be taken away, and the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Um, That that is your future. Um, And so we can say with, with Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Uh, Paul writes in in Romans 8, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The the latter glory of of this house and of this world and of our lives uh, will be far greater than any former glory. Um, If Life disappoints us if we don't end up where we thought we might be. Uh, we can be confident in our day of small things, so to speak, that that our future in Christ is incomparably glorious, not worth comparing, um, regardless of how things look right now. Uh, that that is that can be our hope in 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 the the day of small things, um, just as just as it was for the people of Judah in this in this time when they're rebuilding the temple. Um, why don't I pray and then we have a few minutes left after that. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have sent your spirit to be with your people, that you have not left us to be Alone and orphans, even even if it might look and feel like that sometimes, we know that you've promised that is not the case and that you are with us always to the end of the age. Thank you that uh, even by the same power that um, with which you were raised from the dead uh, and, and, and by which you subject all things to yourself, um, with that same power, you will raise us up and make us glorious like yourself. Um, thank you that you have not left us without hope in the world, um, but that we can be, we can rejoice in hope um, for that day when you will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and your kingdom will have no end. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, we have probably a minute, a minute and a half. <laughs> so, are there any any parting thoughts, parting questions? Yes. Yeah. So, I wanted to touch back on what you said about you know, having nostalgia mm. about the way faith used to be, and like maybe being discouraged about the way it is now. I, I don't see it that way. Mm. I see more people who are free
2: to be saved, more people who are willing to be saved, than there were
0: fifty years ago. You know? So I do see that latter glory of the church that that, that speaking about, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, forty years I wasn't saved and now I am. So yeah. Obviously from my perspective, you know, it, it's it's getting better rather than, you know, looking back and nostalgia.
2: You can look back Praise on God. You know, specific incidents and, and
0: times, but overall I'd say these are the best of times, you know? mm. Praise God. Forty years ago I wasn't alive, so it's hard for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right. Um, let's uh, it's it's about time, so uh, let's let's put some of these chairs away and, and head up.